You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. I want you to just ask, you know, the, the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts today to receive a word from the Lord from Pastor June. Let's all welcome Dr. June Escosar. Well, good afternoon, everyone. And thank you, Pastor Ariel, again, for the kind introduction. Pastor Ariel and I serve, of course, in the Philippine Apostolic Team. And uh, it's a joy to work together, providing oversight to all of our churches. Thank you, Pastor Ariel, also for extending the invitation. Pastor Ariel mentioned that my family and I attends uh, the church, the church here. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a special treat to be able to share the word. Uh, here's a uh, picture of my family. My, the lady beside me is my sweetheart, my wife, for 27 awesome years. And I have two grown-up children. Rachel is uh, graduating uh, uh, college at uh, Mint International with business degree. And of course, my son is second-year college at the uh, University of the Philippines Industrial Engineering. So he still has a long ways off to go. And... Um, Today, uh, before anything else, I do wanted to uh, really take this moment as director for missions in Asia to thank this church to the leadership of Pastor Ariel and all of our other pastors, Victory Pastors, Pastor Rain and the ones that are at the Festival Mall, really for because this church is one of our biggest mission partners in world missions. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? Thank you so much. If you are one of those who faithfully prayed for us, for our missionaries, for anybody involved in missions, for praying for the nations, if you're one of those who gave money, uh, monthly we have an opportunity every first Sunday of the month to give to missions. And if you're one of those that go, maybe you went on a short-term mission trip, or maybe supported somebody who was going on any kind of mission trip or support our long-term missionaries, Again, in behalf of all of our missionaries, our missions department, I want to express our deepest appreciation for your faithful partnership. And if you happen to be new and you are not a partner of Every Nation World Missions, I hope by the time this message is over, you would seriously consider becoming a partner with us. And you will understand in a moment why. Today, we are on the second week of our annual World Mission Series entitled Beyond Borders. In fact, we set aside two weeks out of each year, basically as a way of reminding ourselves of our history and our calling to the nations. And uh, victory, if you come to think of it, we were started or birthed through missions. 50 American students came in 1984. On a summer missions. And where we are today is mind-boggling. From those young and experienced who just want to make themselves available for God's use. And the impact that it has done today. We keep growing through missions. And this is the reason why as Victory, we are totally, totally committed also to making disciples of all nations. The last week, the seventh week, of our All and Nothing series, the title happens to be Mission in Christ, which, as he said, dovetailed and overlapped with our week one of Beyond Borders. 
So don't be surprised if we say we are on week two today and the end of our mission series, uh, which is Beyond Borders. Again, uh, just as I reiterated earlier, it is God's desire to reach and disciple all nations of the world. I know we have maybe all the rational why we should not do that, but for whatever reason, we take to heart very seriously Jesus' mandate, the Great Commission, which is to go make disciples of all nations. It is God's passion to see the world, this world be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters covers the sea. It is God's desire that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. That one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. And Jesus Himself gave us the commission to go and make disciples of nothing less but all the nations. In the Great Commission, we have the responsibility to take the gospel, not just to a few nations, but to all the world. It is not an option. It is not a matter of preference. Paul said we are under obligation. King James says we are debtors. After experiencing salvation by grace, which was eloquently explained to us during the communion, we cannot help it. We owe it to the world to take the gospel to all nations. Which is why Mark chapter 16 verse 15 said, Go into all the world, not just a few of them, not just the ones we liked, but to all nations and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Like I said earlier, we have every bit of excuse to justify why we cannot go into the nation. Some of this, to mention a few, we could easily say we have plenty of needs here. Why should we even go to other nations? Or maybe we don't have enough resources. Or maybe we are just because we're just a third world nation. Or maybe this is too presumptuous, too ambitious. And maybe we ask the question, can we really do this? But you know what? My brothers and sisters, as early as 1986, the year we can even barely pay rent, we were broke. We don't have money. We don't have professionals in church. We have a handful, maybe less than 10 people who have some kind of job. Only one person had a car. It wasn't even his car. It was his grandfather's car. That is how poor we were when we started. But I tell you, we set our heart to bless the nation as early as 1986. We make a decision. We are going to shift from just being a field nation to becoming a sowing nation. If you're familiar with the laws of sowing and reaping, no matter how much money you invest into the field, the field will never reap. It is always the sower that reaps. The place of blessing is not in the receiving. The real place of blessing is in the giving. Whoever gives are the one that is being blessed by the Lord. Today, 
our churches are experiencing tremendous growth and blessings from God, I believe one of the reasons is because we have decided to become a sowing nation. Our churches are blessed everywhere. I don't know if you realize this, but 75% of all Christian churches in the Philippines are below 75 members. 62% are below 50. What we have in victory, the tremendous blessings, is not because of location, not because we meet in nice air-conditioned hotel like this where we have world-class worship, great kids' ministry, handsome pastors, great preaching. I have to throw in there somehow. You know, it's not because of this, but because we made as a matter of priority the desire to bless the nations. Like what I said, we can come up with so many excuses. The original Great Commission, the heart of it in Genesis chapter 12 is that God blesses us not just for personal consumption and Christian consumerism, but God blesses us so we could be channels of blessings to other people. As was shared to us just a moment ago by Michelle in our offering, the Lord said to Abram, He said, I will bless you, He said. I will make your name great. Which means, I want to make you influential. So you can be a blessing. What's the purpose of why God blesses us? So we look good? No. So we could be a channel of God's blessing. He said, I will bless those that bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Which is why, again, as Christians, we need to have a healthy perspective of the blessings of God on our lives. Why? How could we fulfill the, our end of the bargain to bless the world where, when we are not blessed ourselves? Embrace the blessings of God. This is not prosperity teaching. This is blessing with a purpose so we could bless other nations. The true heart of the Great Commission is not just come, be blessed, but rather the spirit of the Great Commission is go and be a blessing. That is our topic today. We will talk about what it means to go. Last week, we focused a lot on prayer. Today, we will talk about what it means to go. We made it clear last week that God will evangelize the world through His church. Every time we plant a church in another nation, we are extending the borders of the kingdom of God. Every time we plant a church in another city, in another country, we are establishing God's headquarters so that we can make disciples, equip workers, and raise leaders so in turn they can win their people and win their nation and hopefully help us to win the world for Jesus Christ. Hopefully it's not just our job as Filipinos. We are moving aggressively since 1986. The mandate has been very, very clear. Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, Be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Nothing could get any clearer than that. If we are not going to go, no one else will. This is why we are compelled to go. But there is a tension. When the church fails to go, 
God has intervened throughout history to expel the church out into the world. You see, God is so committed to His mission of reaching all nations that if His church is not willing to go, God employs other means and mechanisms to make sure His purpose and His mission stands. Whether He finds people like us who will cooperate with Him or not, He will get His mission done. So much so that sometimes, if it is necessary, He will force His church out intentionally so that they, whether they like it or not, will be forced to share the blessings. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Our Lord Jesus Christ does not discriminate education, social status, race, language. Anyone who calls on Him will be saved. But verse 14 says this, But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have never even heard about? Or how can they, by the way, 42% of the world has never even heard the name of Jesus. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. You see, God desires that all men be saved, that none should perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But for that to happen, very clearly, there is a set of condition. For people to call and be saved, they must first believe. For people to be able to believe, they must first hear. For people to hear, someone must preach to them. For someone to preach to them, they must be sent out. By whom? By us. Churches. The failure of the world to hear the gospel is the failure of the church to send. It doesn't matter how we rationalize this. You can make all the excuses you want. Oh, those people have hard hearts. They are resistant to the gospel. That's why. No, there's never been a problem with the harvest. Jesus himself said, the harvest is plentiful. He even said, do not say four months more and then the harvest. Hey, the apostle John said, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You know what's the problem? The laborers are few. Why are the laborers few? Because... The church failed to mobilize, equip, train, and send them so they can preach, so people can hear and believe and call on the name of the Lord. In short, if the world fails to hear, it's because the church failed to send. Romans chapter 10 verse 15, the Greek word for the word sent, how can they preach unless they are sent? The Greek word there is the word apostello, which actually means to send out properly on a mission. In other words, these are people who catch the vision and is willing 
to go, not being coerced or forced to go. You know what I love about every nation and victory? Is that we strive hard to send people out properly. We have proper recruitment. We have proper assessment. We equip and train people before we launch them out. We develop support system so they can develop their support. We develop prayer partners for them. We provide missionary care. When they go back from the field, we have debriefing. We have professionalized this to the best so that we are able to send people properly. This is why to date, we have 150 long-term missionaries serving in over 50 nations in Asia and some parts of the world. In 2016 alone, for 10 days, we are sending 117, 640 missionaries, 31 nations, just for this year alone. 117. Do you know how many weeks in a year? 52. Even if you multiply it by 2, that's 104. We are sending 107. You know what that means? Two teams at our airport every week. Flying into the nations to be a blessing to the rest of the world. That is incredible. Since 1986, the last 30 years, we have sent out over 10,000 of our victory members to 10 days missions. Wow. We work hard, so hard at adopting best practices so we could send missionaries or short-term missionaries properly. We even raised the bar for 10 days. You cannot go anymore unless you are a small group leader. Not because you're a leader, but just to become a member of 10 days. That is how committed we are. But I'll tell you something. It is interesting to note that there's another word for send in the Bible. And it is not just apostello, the proper sending. There are those, of course, that were properly sent. That's what we've been talking about just a while ago. The implications is because they voluntarily went. Okay? That is where we derive the word apostello. But another word for the word sent, same exact English word, is totally opposite of that because it implies being driven out, cast out, or thrust out. The implication being is that because of involuntary going. And the Greek word for that is the word ekbalo. So we are really faced with two things. Do we want to be apostello or do we want to be ekbaloed? To wreck to uh, let's read Luke 10 to compare these two concepts. Luke 10 verses 1 and 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent apostello, sent properly, sent them on ahead of him two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go. Verse 2. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out the word used as ekbalo laborers into his harvest. You might find it strange. Imagine in the same passage, similar English words for verse 1 and 2, but two separate meanings. One is apostello, 
But the second one is ekbalo, and it makes you wonder, why would God force people out or throw people out, drive them out? It's because despite the obvious harvest, very few people are actually responding to go. Let's look again at those two words. Apostello is where we get the English words apostle or ambassador. The Greek language carries the idea of one being commissioned or sent to proclaim a message. He carries the full weight, authority, and power of the king. He is an ambassador representing a kingdom. The other word is ekbalo, which means to eject, to drive out, expel, or send away. When Jesus, for example, drive out a demon or drive out many changers in the temple, it uses the Greek word ekbalo. This image gets even more dramatic when Jesus refers to the Father, to God, as the Lord of the harvest. What does this word actually mean? Now imagine this. You are a rich businessman. You own a very large vineyard. And it's time for harvest. The most exciting time, season. Because everybody that works so hard, finally, is, this is the climax of their labor, the harvest. So what do you do if you were the owner? All hands on deck. You want to mobilize every worker to be able to work in the harvest, correct? But what if your workers were sluggish, apathetic, complacent, completely uninterested with the harvest? What if they don't feel like working? What if they were busy or occupied or maybe they have scheduled conflict? What do you think the Lord of the harvest will do or say? Do you think he will simply say, Oh, okay, yeah, I, I understand. No, of course not. He will not be called Lord for nothing. He will get their act together and will follow them into the harvest. Amen? We see this time and time again happening in world history and we are going to look at a few of them in the remaining time we have but we don't have to go very far even into church history to know that when the early church were unwilling remember their mandate was to be witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria to the ends of the earth when they were not willing to go literally god had to follow them God had to follow his church to force them to be a blessing. I don't know if you've heard it said, if you don't do Acts 1.8, Acts 8.1 will happen to you. Let me show you what Acts 1.8 is and Acts 8.1. But you will receive power. This is the mandate. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Where? Beginning in your Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Beginning here, in Alabang, in Muntinlupa, in Metro Manila, 
in Luzon, in the Philippines, in Asia, and the rest of the world. There is a geographic expansion of the gospel. Do you know that in the first seven chapters of Acts, the disciple decided to stay in Jerusalem? Despite the growth of the church, despite the revival, they stayed behind. They did not remember their mandate to go to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Even during the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit, they still decided to stay in Jerusalem. So what happened? God, have you heard it said, God comforts the afflicted, but He inflicts the comfortable. So God had to send a persecution, Acts 8.1. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, the very place that God originally wanted them to go. God will have His way except the apostles. You know what happened when, as they went? Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They were ekbalod and finally God has His way. They finally shared the gospel wherever they went. Let's just take a look at history and maybe ask this question. How does the Lord of the harvest actually ekbalo people into the harvest? Remember what I said, God will use various means and mechanisms. And this might surprise many of you, but God uses persecution like what we just saw. He uses wars. I'll show you an example of that in a moment. Invasion. You know, if you're not willing to share the gospel, God will send the invaders so that they will hear the gospel from you. I hope we learn from history. I hope this tragic thing will not happen to us. Migration. Do you know that in Europe alone, last year, 2015, one million migrants moved to seek asylum Refugees from many parts of the Middle East. In 2014, there were 250,000. I hope Europe had missiological eyes to be able to see this, not as a burden, but as an opportunity. Imagine, we are, God told us to go to the nations, now the nations is going to us. Never has there ever been a time in history where Muslims are more vulnerable to Christian witness than today because they are now moving to more free nations. Then there's economics. I'll show that to you in our own history. And then there's attraction and fame. In the day, heydays of Israel, because of Solomon's wisdom and the success of Israel, leaders from all over the world, including the Queen of Sheba, had to come just to see for herself the wisdom of Solomon and what God has done in Israel. And as a result, they were blessed by God and truly praised the Lord. When you look at the principle of the fact that the Lord of the harvest is thrusting people out into the harvest fields of the world. And then to look at World War II and start to connect the dots, you will begin to see history from a completely different view. Let me give you one example. Millions of Americans, some Christians, some not, were driven out into the harvest. When those American soldiers won the war, 
They saw something they have never seen before. They saw the harvest. In other words, God used the war to open their eyes. Who would ever have imagined that they went to fight a battle only to discover opportunities for harvest. When they came back home, they did something different. In 19, from 1948 to 1952, Americans started and mobilized over 1,800 mission agencies and sent out over 350,000 missionaries. If you've heard of the navigators, they will not be called navigators for nothing. They were ex-military people who went to war, sowed the harvest. And this time, they went back to places where they had fought the war. But this time, they preached the gospel. The world had never seen such an outpouring of mission effort. The lesson we learned from this, we're not only learning this from early church, but we can also learn from history, like the Romans. At one point, the largest empire in the world. It is without a doubt that God used Rome in a very powerful way as a vehicle to expand the gospel to the world. Maybe they do not realize it, but in a providential way, God did. They built Roman roads to expedite the travel of the gospel. From their point of view, it's economics. From God's point of view, it's to advance the gospel to the known world in those days. They also enforced what we call Pax Romana, Roman peace that forced all barbaric peoples to come to terms because they were the most powerful empire so that the gospel message can travel swiftly through traders, businessmen, and travelers in those days. Unfortunately, Rome was not so aggressive in terms of bringing the gospel to a people up north, which are barbaric peoples. They did not bring the gospel to the barbarians. So what happened? The barbarians invaded Rome and it almost collapsed the entire Roman Empire. But the gospel again prevailed the barbarians became Christians. One of the foremost personalities is Charlemagne. They enjoyed years of revival, not only in religion, but in music and arts. It's amazing. But when it came time for the barbarians to bring the gospel, they also ignored a more ruthless people up north, and they were the Viking peoples. Because they did not aggressively bring the gospel to them, the Vikings invaded the barbarians because they were ruthless people. You see blood and corpses everywhere. Women as, were taken as mistresses and monks as slaves. Again, the testimony of the power of the gospel. The gospel prevailed. The conquerors became conquered as mistresses and monks shared the gospel to the Vikings and the Vikings became Christians. For the first time ever in the history of Christianity, they actually carried out intentional missions. But unfortunately, tragically, because Vikings... They established the crusade. And because the crusade 
were of Viking origins. Their history is blood. They had this wrong notion that they think they can win nations and people by brute force and the tip of the sword, which is why it, gave, it brought a big blow to the Muslim peoples that today we can still sense the animosity of many Muslims to the crusaders which were actually of Viking origins. That, my brothers and sisters, is the history we could learn from. That if we do not aggressively bring the gospel, God will have his way. And, bring, and if it's through invasion, so people can hear the gospel. The lesson we learn from the Vikings is this. We are not only to go, but we have to do it right with the right motive and with the right spirit. Let me cite to you another example. An individual example, lest many of you will just think barbarians, Romans, Israel, the Jewish people. All of you must have heard about Jonah. Jonah is a prophet of God. Up until this time, he was a faithful prophet. Where God tells him to go, he goes and proclaims God's message. But the Lord called him to a ruthless, wicked people, the Ninevites. When he found out that God was calling him to go there because of his animosity and indifference, he ran away from God as far as possible. He went the opposite direction towards Spain. You know what happened. You cannot run away from God. You know that? If you're a marked man, no matter how you try to throw it away, you are marked before the foundation of the world. You were marked for it. So God apprehended him and sent big, gigantic Moby Dick to swallow Jonah and spew him out. Spew him out in Nineveh. You know, even though, even though Jonah was indifferent towards the Ninevites, God will have his way. To his own surprise, the Ninevites when he started preaching repentance and the judgment of God, they actually, this wicked nation, humbled themselves and repented before God that God had to relent his judgment to a future time. You see the lesson from history here? Another example I want to show you reflects our own history as a Filipino nation. We have been prophesied time and time again that Philippines will be a launching pad of the gospel to all of Asia. And rightly so, because we have the longest history of Christianity as early as the late 1500s. Except that we were not as eager to bring the gospel and share the gospel to our Asian neighbors. We are known for decades as the only Christian nation in Asia. But you see, there's a principle in Luke chapter 12 that says, to whom much is given, much is required from us. Remember, why did God bless us? So we can be a blessing. Because we did not do Acts 1.8 to our neighbors. We experience our own version of Acts 8.1 in the form of an economic persecution. Filipinos were forced out to seek jobs overseas. And there were forced to share the blessings. Multiple thousands have met the Lord overseas, started fellowship, renewed, experienced God, not in this country, but outside of this country. Do you know that there are 10.2 
million Filipinos, according to the Commission on Filipinos Overseas, in more than 180 nations. That's practically all countries of the world. 195 United Sovereign States, according to the United Nations. That's almost 11% of the population of the Philippines. Again, lesson, if we do not voluntarily go, God will involuntarily thrust us out. If we're going to be thrusted out, we might as well voluntarily go, right? Since God will have His way anyway, we might as well go voluntarily. Looking back again at, our, at, our, at the Philippines and the providence of God in terms of using us, God's prepared the Philippines to be a missionary nation. I just want you to look at this from a providential point of view. The colonization of Spain, Japan, and America, which many of us might despise. From God's perspective, He was preparing us to become the best missionary people in the world. Where else can you find where God Himself brought the nations to us, the finest blend of East and West, to prepare us to become the most resilient, most adoptable people in the whole world? If you don't have missiological eyes, you will only see domination, subjugation, oppression. But in God's eyes, God was preparing us all along to become the best missionary people the world has ever known. Aside from that, we have apostolic faces, which means our face can adapt to so many countries. If you go, some people would have, are you Thai? Are you Indian? Are you, are you, are, are you Indonesian? What are you? We can blend in and we can speak English. Do not underestimate this. The reason why some nations are not missionary force. Korea is an amazing nation because of the limitation of English language. Japan, China, they have resources, but they cannot be as aggressive as we are because they will have to learn English before you can even touch the world. We are blessed to truly be able to speak English. Amen? We have no history of aggression. We are never perceived as a threat. They don't second guess us, you know. On top of that, we're the friendliest, happiest people on the planet. This is why it is more fun in the Philippines. Amen. Providentially, here's another one. Some people, there was even moves, especially from radical people, to change the name of the country because it's a picture of subjugation. True, while we are named after King Philip of Spain, that's where we get the name Philippines. But one thing we do not realize, again, in the providence of God, King Philip, whose mother was a Christian, named him after Philip the Evangelist from the Bible, which prophetically means if we are called Philippines, we are called to proclaim the gospel, the goodness to all the nations. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, this is my prayer for us. That we do not repeat the mistakes in the past, but to learn these hard lessons from human history. This is why as early as 1986, we decided to be intentional. We decided to be missional. We decided to go voluntarily. Against many odds, we obeyed and go to the nations. We became a sowing nation. And as a result, today we have become a reaping nations. Think about this. Man Manila alone. Victory. 
We've crossed 85,000 now because it's all about numbers. It's not. God's not impressed with numbers at all. But the blessings of God, over 130 services every weekend. In the Philippines, we have 78 churches, about 44,000 in attendance, six ongoing church plants, which means this is outside Manila only. Which means by the end of this year, we would have 84 churches and nine more churches will be planted in 2017. This is all outside Manila. In Asia, we are in 25 countries in the greater Asia region where our nation belongs. Ten in the Middle East, six, five in Central Asia, and six in Oceania. That is 46 of 60 nation that is about 76 percent our work is already in 46 nation 14 more nations to go can we give the lord a big hand for that do you know that asia is 60 percent of the world it also has 60 nations 60 percent of the world and we have started the work in all of this nation the remaining nations we have because it is God's idea for us to go. We took God literally at His word and claimed this promise down here, Psalms 2.8. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. We don't know where to get money. We don't know how to go to Sri Lanka or Pakistan. But we said, Lord, you're the Lord of the harvest. You want us to go. We will go. You open the door. You give us workers. And by the grace of Almighty God, check all of that nations god has allowed us to start the work we have missionary presence churches are being built disciples are being raised come on praise god what about 2016 we started the work in bhutan and jordan come on give the lord a hand for that too praise god this next three months we're about to start a work in georgia we have a team ready to go i'm so excited for god giving us the workers for 2017 we're looking at azerbaijan cyprus and Maldives. I don't really want to make any additional comments, but somebody had to lay down their lives to serve in this really challenging nation called Maldives. I could sense some of you already feel like God's calling you to go there. But we have to reach them all. Amen? Difficult or great nation, we have to go there. In closing, let me just ask you this question. How can we be a part of the Great Commission? We can all pray. All should pray. All must pray. Because of your prayers. It reminds me of the nation of Pakistan. In October, we started with eight local believers. Today, 104 local believers. Can you, go, can you give a big hand for that? They just finished victory weekend. 30 finished. 16 small group, local small group leaders. And for the first time, they're sending their student school of world missions this coming January 2017. Hallelujah. Let me tell you another story because of your persistent prayer. One open door. We just sent a missionary family to Papua New Guinea. One of the most dangerous countries in the world. In fact, 80% of all the women will either be raped, abused, or attacked in their lifetime. This is why this nation desperately needed the gospel. When our missionaries arrived first week of August, they wasted no time but prayed for the city. And they end up in the parliament. They prayed for the seats, the people in the parliament. In less than one month, they visited back the parliament. God set a divine appointment. One of the most influential members of the parliament was there. They were able to share the gospel. The man got gloriously saved. 
and it's now going through one-to-one. Come on, give the Lord a hand for that also. Secondly, we can all give. We may not all go, but we can help others to go. And this is the reason why, because of your giving, we're able to send over 150 full-time missionaries in more than 50 nations. And finally, we can go either short-term missions or long-term missions. I would like to encourage us, again, as we reflect, if there's any takeaway from this, let us never tire ourselves from voluntarily going and becoming a blessing to the nations.